Hi everybody, my name is Rich and I'm going to be speaking to us today in this section of our meeting. It would be our normal custom in Church Central South to look at a section of the Bible in a series over a number of weeks so we can really see what God says in that bit of the Bible. We've been doing that since March in the Sermon on the Mount and we will do that again in February onwards in a brand new series, I'm pleased to reveal, in another book of the Bible which is going to remain a secret just for now but I've got you excited so that was my ploy. Uh, for now in January what we're doing and what we have been doing is having a series of one-off talks where we see what God is saying to us right now as a church community, what we think is something really particularly relevant for this moment and this time and Jonathan brought us a message at the turn of the year, Johnny was with us last week and it's my turn this week. What I want to do is begin with a couple of questions to you about what you want to be true of your church community. Question number one, do you want Church Central South to be more and more a place where people grow in their knowledge and love of God? Uh, second question, do you want Church Central South to be a place where people grow not just in their knowledge and love of God, but in their obedience to God, in their life of response to God, that they grow in uh, love and uh, courage and radical service and purity. Do you long for that to be true of this church? Well, I do. Uh, as one of the leaders in the church, that would probably be the sum total of what I want to be true of this church. That would encapsulate almost all of my other uh, mini desires for this church, that we grow in knowledge and love of God and grow in obedience. If we, if we did that, we'd be doing all right. And what I want to do then is speak to you about a little phrase that is found in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. A little phrase which if we believe it and apply it and put it into practice will, I believe, take us a long way towards growing into more and more of a church where those two things happen, where people grow in their knowledge and grow in their obedience. See, Paul wrote this little letter to the church in Colossae. We call it Colossians, uh, which is a church in Turkey. And he wrote this letter with those two aims. He wanted them to grow in their knowledge because they'd started to believe some pretty wacky stuff. And he wanted them to grow in their obedience because they'd started to do some quite wacky stuff. And so in the letter to the Colossians, uh, Paul writes loads of stuff about those two big aims. But hidden away, almost so small you'd hardly see it, just under the surface, hidden in chapter 2, verse 2, there's this little phrase where Paul speaks of something very important. Not so much his passion for their knowledge or their doctrine, not so much that his passion for their uh, ethics or their obedience or their life, but rather about his passion for the culture of the church community. The tone, the atmosphere, what it feels like to be part of the church in Colossae. He says this, I want you to know how great a struggle, so it's very important to him, I have for you and for those at Laodicea, that's the church up the road, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that, here it is, their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Do you see that? Hearts that are encouraged, where the deepest parts of us are encouraged 
and then where we're knit together in love. It's almost as if for Paul, very passionate about knowledge and very passionate about obedience, if you know the Apostle Paul. It's almost as if he sees that for those two types of growth to happen in a church, the soil, the fertile soil of the church needs to be a culture, an atmosphere, a tone that is encouragement of heart and where people are knit together in love. And what I want to do today simply is speak about those two aspects of the church culture and kind of paint a bit of a picture and almost help you to dream a dream of what it could be like if we stepped more and more into a church culture that was like that. And I guess I want to unashamedly ask you to contribute more and more and more to creating a church culture in Church Central South that is like that. Firstly, then, I want to look at heart encouragement. Now, encouragement, I don't know what that brings to mind for you. It, in my mind, has a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a light thing, a bit of a fluffy thing, perhaps even a bit of a soppy thing, something that we would leave to the one or two people who are particularly into long emotional texts or whatever it might be. Uh, it can become a bit of a synonym for generally nice things or generally inoffensive things. Like if uh, you text me later and you say, thanks for your talk, Rich. The one word that I can come up with to summarise it was that it was so encouraging. You know, that would probably mean that it was kind of slightly nice and improved your mood a tiny bit, but didn't ask too much of you, right? Encouraging can be this sort of wet thing, but in the Bible and in its truest form, encouragement is something of so much more substance than that. It is a very rich theme in the Bible. So God himself in Romans 15 verse 5 is spoken of as the God of endurance and encouragement. When Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, famously, he calls him the comforter or the helper or the counsellor. Well, actually, that word that is translated in all those different ways in our Bibles is the same root word that here is translated encourage. The Holy Spirit, who is he in his essence? He's the encourager. And Paul, who I get the feeling is probably not temperamentally instinctively particularly fluffy would be my guess nevertheless he practices what he preaches and in every interaction that we see or read in the bible that he has with a church or with a, a younger leader or whatever it might be he pours deliberate encouragement into them so encouragement is not a small thing it is a huge thing it's a big deal to god in fact in fact it's part of his very character and thus is to be a part of a church that wants to honour him. Now, what does it mean, encouragement? What does it mean? As I say, it's this kind of rich word with lots of different angles on it. It certainly means more than mere niceness, though do still be nice. That's a good thing to do. Um, but to encourage means all of this. It means to draw alongside another person, to strengthen another person, to build up another person, anyone feeling slightly broken down, or to be built up is to be encouraged. It speaks of consoling someone if they're feeling downcast. It speaks of recognising and naming and calling out the good, true and praiseworthy things in another person's character. And just linguistically, at its most simple, encourage means to put courage into another person and enable them, therefore, to bravely face fears, 
walk into difficulty, keep going, even just one step at a time. Now, can you see, therefore, how a culture of encouragement is incredibly important in any church at any time because the Christian life is really hard all the time. But particularly right now, anybody, like I say, feeling broken down right now, anybody feeling weak, anybody feeling downcast, anyone looking to the future, even the near future with fear, anyone being called to walk a difficult path right now? Yes, 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 yes. All of us are being called to do that every day at the moment. We are in the uncharted waters of what is now, again, the peak of this pandemic. The peak is no longer this thing back then in uh, March. That's now. We're in the worst bit of this that there has been right now. And yet we're so much more fatigued than we were back then. Many of us are, 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 are buckling under crippling busyness or crippling boredom or a strange combination of the two. We're facing a barrage of bad news every day. There's the school stuff. There's the being on the front line experience for some of you. Some of you are now living in single person households. You're 11 months in to living on your own in a pandemic when the government has told you to cut off more and more from other people. And I know from chatting to people in all those different circumstances over the last few weeks that this time things are hitting us just that little bit more. Some of us are dramatically rocked and thrown right now. Others of us, it's just that our base level of joy is down about 20%. And the, the little perks of the little things that bring us up, they still help. But just generally, the, the highs aren't as high and the lows are much lower. And do you know what? In a time like now, Paul's answer to that is heart encouragement. We need more than ever to each of us give ourselves to creating in this church an atmosphere, a tone, the air that we breathe together is one of encouragement. Not just surface level encouragement, little bits of nice comments here and there, but encouragement that gets to our hearts, the deepest parts of us, so that whatever's going on out there or in front of us, the things we're called to, we somehow inside of us have a quiet confidence, a courage, a, a willingness to step again, to go again, to keep going, almost a, a buoyancy. We've been lifted again and we can take on another step. We can go another day. So how do we get that? How do we get an experience of heart encouragement. Well, the Bible would say there are two ways that we can get encouragement. Vertical encouragement, that is directly from God, and then horizontal encouragement in our relationships with one another. Just quickly, the, the vertical encouragement that the Bible most often speaks about is that we would know God's presence. That's the big thing that God seems to emphasise when he wants to bring courage and confidence to his people. Think of Psalm 23. Uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Think of God speaking to Joshua on the uh, edge of the promised land. He says, uh, be strong and courageous. I am with you. Think of Moses trembling, afraid, not willing to do what God's called him to do. And God says, go, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I will go with you. I will be with you. It is the, the knowledge and the experience of God with us that gives us that vertical encouragement. So I want to encourage you to do anything you can to revel in, bask in, experience, remember the presence of God. But then in the church, there is more than that. There is horizontal 
encouragement, where we encourage one another. The idea is not that we individually each receive encouragement from God and then go about our individual tasks. The, the goal of God in the church is that he would encourage us individually, but then that it would spill out from each of us to one another. To use a, a, an analogy of a, an orchestra, if you like, God is the conductor who is doing something better than this, I imagine. And he's leading us in encouragement. He's encouraging us individually. But as we take his lead and we follow his lead and we begin to play the same music that he's giving to us and we create this noise together as you do it and she does it and he does it and they do it, as it bubbles up, we create this symphony of encouragement where the room is filled with this beautiful sound of encouragement that is initiated by God but played through all of us. Us. And that is what God calls our culture to be. I want to say I love how much in this church that is a reality. Almost every time I come into contact with anyone in Church Central South, I leave with my heart lifted. I leave even if it's bad news or, or a, a discouraging situation. The interaction with the people leaves me lifted. I love this church and I love you guys for that. But the Bible always says there's room for us to grow in it. The Bible says that we can grow weary in doing good. We can get fatigued in doing stuff that we know is the right thing to do. And so I want to encourage you, like the writer to the Hebrews does, to encourage one another all the more, he says, as you see the day approaching. This idea that uh, as Jesus is still yet to return, but one day will, we need to not just encourage, we need to encourage all the more and grow in it and keep growing in it. And so let me encourage you and ask you to go again in this, to uh, to get yourself going in encouragement, to do it in a way that suits you. We're not all going to write a poem and send it on WhatsApp, to do it in a way that is true to who you are, but to do it, to pour courage into others. And now let me just say, before I give you a couple of practical tips on this, though I think primarily this in encouragement and instruction is to the church. It's for the church relationships. It's for inside the church. I tell you what, this has a power when other people outside the church see it or hear it or come into contact with it. You know, if it is that orchestra playing the music of encouragement, when our friends begin to overhear the music or our neighbours begin to overhear the music, or the teachers in our kids' school begin to experience it, or when we let it spill out of us even into the postman, or to our neighbours, our family members who don't know Jesus. I tell you what, this stuff is magnetic. In our community group, and some of them will be listening, we've had the privilege of eight new people joining us since November. They came for our wellbeing course, and to date they are still with us and they they want to be part of the call and be part of the community. And as I say, if you're listening, it's been one of the highlights of my whole pandemic. It's a strange sentence I didn't think I'd ever say. Um, for you to be part of our community, I, I love it. I draw so much joy and strength from just you being there. But I'd love to say that it was the graphics on the wellbeing course that I worked so hard on that kept people uh, in our community. I'd love to say it was the uh, captivating leadership of uh, myself and Ruth. Uh, I really don't think it is. Do you know what? All of the people who are in our community group speak to and all of the people who filled in our wellbeing course feedback form, all of them speak to 
it was the people, it was the group dynamic, it was being part of a community that encouraged me, that, that was there for me, that stood with me, that, that could hear me and that could speak words of affirmation to me, that could cheer me on. Literally, these are the words that were being used of our church community, not just in our group, but in all the groups on the feedback form. I tell you, this stuff is captivating. People are so starved of encouragement that if we can cultivate this more and more and let it spill out, it is powerful stuff. So here's two quick practical tips on how to encourage. Firstly, encourage specifically. There is something generally nice about that sort of post that goes around on Facebook that's got like 70 billion shares that is like, to the person who needs to hear this today, you're doing a great job. And I see that and I go, oh, thank you, Mark Zuckerberg and co. I am, aren't I? But the reality is that doesn't cut through to heart encouragement because it's from someone I don't know who doesn't know me. Now, it's better than someone sharing on Facebook to whoever needs to hear this. You're doing a pitifully incompetent job. That would be very unkind and quite discouraging. But do you know what? The, 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 the general encouragement of you, stranger, are doing a great job. That is surface level stuff. I want to encourage you to dig into specifics. You see Paul do this in his letters. He says, I'm thanking God for your faith and how you gave this money to that church and that was generous and I'm proud of you. Or he says to Timothy, I remember what your grand said to you and then your mum said to you and now it's fanning into flame. And so I want to say to you, well done, keep going, fan into flame the gift of God. He's, he hones in on a person and a specific thing. So uh, a good text to send is Esther and Johnny, thank you so much for the worship today. That is a great text to send. Do you know what a better text to send is? Esther and Johnny, thank you so much for the way that you not only lead us in worship by pressing record on a video, but the way that you seem to genuinely worship God and genuinely have that heart of passion for him and that it comes through that you're not just professionally churning out the next song but that you you really are loving him and that even separated and through this flipping technology I catch something of your passion for God and it lifts me I was in a really dark place today and hearing you lead us thank you so much that is a better text it takes more credit if you're still on credit but I want to encourage you to be specific call out specific things that you see in other people and then secondly, I want to ask you to encourage regularly. Do you know, it's been psychologically proven in experiments that we receive negative news more heavily than we receive positive news. That is that if I tell you I've stolen £10 off you, that will make you much more sad than if I say I've given you £10, it will make you happy. Uh, people have said that, that the ratio is something like five times more we receive negative news, which means that if you're watching BBC News, in order for you just to feel neutral and the same at the end of the 30 minutes of news, the ratio of positive to negative news stories would need to be more than five to one in favour of positive. And if you're wondering why you feel depressed every time you watch the news, that is why, because there's not a lot of good news at the moment. Actually, if you want to be someone who creates a culture of encouragement, it's not enough to bring your January encouragement and then save it up for next month. Actually, we are so crippled by insecurity, so beaten up by our circumstances, so doubtful that God could ever use us. We need 
according to psychology, more than five times the amount of encouragement than we do critique. If you're fearful that you're going to big someone up too much and they're going to get proud, leave that to God. God can humble the proud. As for you, encourage, 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 encourage. And particularly if you're in a position of leadership in the church or in the home or in the workplace or in the city, you will at some point have to critique people. You will have to challenge. But if you have stored up five times the amount of encouragement, then people will hear your critique so much easier because you've poured into them. Now, with no time, secondly, Paul says that his dream for the culture of the church in Colossae, in Laodicea and in Birmingham is that we'd be knit together in love, that we are not isolated individuals, but that we are a rich tapestry of many people, many backgrounds who can truly belong together, who can find connection and community and safety and love in the community of God. Now, he says knit together, which is a very specific phrase. I'm not into knitting. Um, but somebody in Church Central South who asked to remain nameless, uh, but is called Lindsay, uh, who also asked me to express that she doesn't knit but does crochet. And so if she commits knitting heresy, she is quite sorry, um, but helped me to understand some of the particular richness in this phrase knit together. Like, why doesn't it say stapled together or glue gun together or prit sticked together? It says knit together. And what might God be saying through that particular picture? Well, firstly, in our community, being knitted together takes time, doesn't it? And what is uh, being created by God in our church builds slowly, just as something that you're knitting builds slowly. You can't knit in a rush, right? And if you do, you will create a bit of a tangled mess and have to spend a lot of time unpicking it all, right? Actually, to build true community, to be knitted together just takes time. Experiencing a sense of belonging in church just takes time. And what happens is we tend to, because of all sorts of different insecurities in us, if, if we don't find a best friend straight away in church, we assume there's something wrong with us or with the church. And the reality is there probably is something wrong with us and the church because we're all a bit weird in our own way, aren't we? But more than that, just anything of value takes time. And being knit together is something that can't be rushed. So stick at it. Stick at creating this culture of togetherness and love within the church. Prit stick friendship happens quickly. Knitted together friendship happens slowly. Secondly, knitting takes care. It's a task that requires gentleness, dexterity, subtlety. Care is required in this whole thing called church. You can't knit in a rush but you also can't knit in boxing gloves right where you just plow in and start bashing into church community thinking that it's going to go well actually we need to be gentle with one another particularly at this time when we are so tired and tender we need to be very careful with how we treat one another i've learned that my humor is something that is in my character and can be a gift to a WhatsApp group or a community group or a Zoom call, but can also be a means by which I crush people, sometimes accidentally, sometimes a little bit deliberately, but I don't clock how it's going to hurt them. And I've realised that if I'm going to be truly knitted together in this community and help create that culture, I need to sometimes just be a little bit more careful with how I act and how I speak. I want to ask you to do that. Take care in your relationships. Thirdly, the picture of knitting means that there's 
room for others to be knitted in. It's not a photograph, the church community. It's not a static, stationary thing that looks like this. Actually, it's something that is evolved over time, that, that different things get added in, different colours get weaved in, if you let me mix craft metaphors. It's this idea that there's plenty of room for others to be knitted in and a healthy church culture will see new people come in and yes, with time and yes, with care, but eventually very truly become part of it. I love this as an example. Laura Chimes, who um, helps pull together these meetings, leads us in worship, pull together that church central choir, uh, just is a general all round good egg who like seems to pour into our church community, giving up a year to serve us on the internship. Just brilliant. Like really recently she was new. And yet, bit by bit, she's been knitted in. People have welcomed her. People have encouraged her. And now look at her go. She's using her gifts. She's contributing. She's leading. And the best is yet to come. It's so exciting to see what God's doing in her life. But not that long ago, none of us knew her. She wasn't part of this church. I want to say to us, can we make sure we make room for others? Make sure that we uh, are not so into our community of love that someone else coming in is not allowed into it. Can we make room for the new people who've been coming in since March? Dozens and dozens of people in our east site, in our students, in our community groups, just people moving to the city who are coming in. Let's make room for those people. And if that's you, yes, it's going to take time and yes, it's going to take care. But I want to say to you, it is our heart that you would truly belong with us. You can be as much Church Central South as anyone else. Uh, you are welcome here. We want you to be part of our family. And lastly, the final thing that our mystery crochet, Lindsay Stevenson, pointed out is that in this picture, someone else is doing the knitting. You know, the, the bits of wool don't knit themselves in. They don't make themselves into this beautiful tapestry. Rather, the creator who has the masterpiece in mind is the one who knows just where each thread needs to go. Ultimately, we can give ourselves to this, but it is God who needs to knit us together. It is God who needs to tie us together and keep us united and help create this culture. And so I just want to quickly pray that he would do that. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do this in our church, that you would create that culture of encouragement and you would truly tie us together. I want to pray particularly for those listening to this who are shaking their head in bewilderment because this has not been their experience. And I want to take my fair share of the responsibility for that as a, a member and as a leader. And I, I say we, we know we fall far short of what we could be. But Lord, I thank you for what you have made us. And I'm also so encouraged by how many people would testify that particularly over the last 11 months, this has been a reality in our church. I pray all the more as we see the day approaching you would do this in us, Lord God, that we might grow in knowledge, that we might grow in obedience, but all from the good soil of an encouraging culture where we're knitted together. Uh, I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.